Hello, hello everyone. That's right. It is me, Andrew, one half of your hosts of Inside Intercounty, proudly presenting you another interview episode this week with Hamilton Cardinals owner Eric Spearin. That's right. Chris and I had the opportunity to talk to Eric earlier this week, and we are very excited to bring you this episode for this weekend. Make sure you check us out on Twitter at Inside IBL Pod. And of course, you can find us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and wherever else you may find your podcasts. Folks, enjoy our interview with Eric, and make sure you find us next week on Inside Inner County. Yeah, thanks for uh, thanks for chatting with us uh, tonight. Obviously, it's uh, it's a little late, but we uh, we appreciate your time and, and taking the time to uh, to get on here with us for for a little bit. Uh, I guess we'll just get right into it then. Um, so, as we as we mentioned on the previous episode of the pod, uh, you just took over the Hamilton Cardinals last off season, uh, right at the start of the off season, as soon as the playoffs ended. Uh, tell us a little bit about how that came about. How did you even get involved with uh, with the IBL or with the Hamilton Cardinals in the first place? Yeah, the IBL kind of popped onto my radar last summer when I saw a CHCH news story about the Brantford Red Sox. And I, I re, growing up in Hamilton, I remember the IBL, but it was, and I remember the Cardinals, but they were completely, um, you know, not top of mind for me. Uh, in the past few years, so seeing that seeing that news article and um, just started, you know, kind of turning my gears and, and learning a little bit more about Brantford's situation. And I went down there for a game and you know took took a look and I was pretty impressed by the baseball, the product. And then I started, you know, just getting the sense like, hey, maybe there's an opportunity for me to enter the league as an owner. And I'm a huge, huge sports guy and I'm highly entrepreneurial. So I was, I was thinking, well, I'm a Hamilton guy, you know, that's where my heart is. So I ended up looking at the Hamilton Cardinals and I think on the surface, everything, you know, looked great. And uh, once I called um, Carmen's group, who was the majority owner last year, it was apparent that they were kind of looking for somebody to take the bull by the horn, by the horn. So that's when we were able to, quickly kind of put together a deal structure over the summer and it wasn't until September that we we ultimately closed and I acquired majority ownership of the Cardinals. Right so take me through that through that timeline when you first started talking uh, to Carmen's group to when that deal was ultimately consummated. Take us through that through that timeline and what that process kind of looked like. Yeah I mean it was it was a pretty easy pretty easy deal to to put together. It was probably mid-July when I initially called, uh, when I called uh, Carmen's group and, and, you know, my non-negotiable was, 
was being majority and they were open to that. And um, yeah, it was, it was honestly such an easy deal to put together. The, we were pretty much agreed in principle, um, you know, towards the tail end of the season in August. And then as soon as the team was kind of eliminated from playoffs, um, that's when we decided to go public with it. For sure. Uh, so you mentioned that the IBL was not necessarily front of mind, but you do remember it from back in the day. Uh, I know that when we spoke, you told me you had just recently moved back to the uh, to the Hamilton area. Why did you want to be a part of of the IBL, and why did you want to be a part of the Cardinals? I really, I really felt we kind of needed each other, to be honest. Um, I wanted to do something a little bit more in Hamilton. Um, you know, like you mentioned, I, you know, I, my career has predominantly been in the U.S., you know, lived in the U.S. for a while, and then kind of moved back to Hamilton and, and was hoping I could do, apply some of my business expertise and, or, or just get involved in the community. And, and I'm super passionate about sports. So I was kind of like looking for something local to do. Um, and then, of course, the Cardinals, having gone through the history, they've had, you know, a number of owners over the years, you know, um, that hasn't been the most stable. You know, I think Carmen's group did bring some stability to the to the ownership. But, um, you know, prior to that, there was definitely, um, you know, a number of owners over the years and just wasn't a lot of consistency. And kind of when I attended the, the games last year, I didn't see um, really what what I felt would be, you know, a, a top sporting experience for a fan. And then once I started looking at the other teams in the league, like Barry and Welland and London, and I, I felt like, hey, why can't we make this work in Hamilton? I think it just it just needed a lot a lot of freshening up for the for the brand and the organization. Yeah. So you just mentioned uh, freshening up the look and, and the brand and things like that, uh, and that leads me right into my next question. Uh, obviously, huge rebrand this offseason, changed the logo, changed all the uniforms, hats, changed the paint on the walls at the stadium, everything. Uh, what was, why did you feel like it was so necessary to rebrand the entire thing? Well, I think, you know, I, when I first took over, there was like, there's probably like 10 seconds where I was like, maybe I should change the Cardinals name. Um, and I thought like, well, maybe I could resurrect the Redbirds name, um, which of course the health of Redbirds w were a single A affiliate of the St. Louis Cardinals and from 88 to 92. Um, so I was thinking like, well, should I change the name? Like, I just wanted to kind of put my stamp on things. Um, but the more I dug into the history of the Cardinals and the relationship with Hamilton Cardinals rep baseball, which is ages eight, all the way up to 18, um, I felt like it made sense to, to keep the name. And then from there, I was like, well, we need to, we need like a, a uniquely Hamilton identity. We need to get away from St. Louis. And I, I love the story about the, the affiliate, the affiliation with the St. Louis Cardinals. Um, but I felt like, hey, we need a logo. We need a brand that's a little bit more modern that may resonate with the younger crowd. And, um, yeah, that's when I felt like, okay, we need something distinctively Hamilton. So we're going to double down on the, the black and the red. And I felt like there was a lot of blue in the league. Um, 
there's so many teams in the league with with blue and i was like well, we need to kind of eliminate that from our color palette and um and also kind of get rid of the baby blue jerseys that we had um so yeah that's why we decided to to shift over and i'd love to to take credit for the logo but that's all matt doyle in burlington um actually hired matt before we even went public uh with the ownership change and i had matt already working on the logo um, and I asked them, I was like, can you somehow incorporate, um, you know, a hammer into the logo? Um, I'm not artistic at all. So I was kind of giving him pretty, pretty vague, pretty vague guidance. And, um, you know, I just thought it was brilliant the way that he incorporated the bat weight into the shape of a, in, into the shape of a hammer. And as soon as I saw that, I was like, okay, this is perfect. You can put this side by side with the other sports teams in Hamilton, and it would uh, certainly, you know, look the part. So you just mentioned the uh, the logo, and I remember you telling me a neat little uh, a neat little tidbit um, about the hat. Do you want to tell the the listeners about the the beak and what the inspiration was behind behind that? Yeah. So the beak and the bat are are basically tiger cats and, and bulldogs uh gold um obviously that that color resonates so much with the city and i wanted to i want to incorporate it somehow into the logo um just so we could you know do a variant jersey at some point um you know with the black and the gold um and just try to incorporate a little bit obviously you can't go you can't completely repaint the cardinal into uh you know tiger cats gold or anything but um yeah that was just kind of a, a little bit of a tidbit that Matt added in well as somebody who is a cardinals fan not just of the hamilton variety but also of the st louis cardinals variety i do appreciate uh a nice cardinal red although a hamilton tiger cats yellow cardinal would certainly be um, it certainly make for an, you know, I guess an eye-popping logo in uh, within the IBL. You certainly have one of the more intimidating logos now. But speaking of, I guess that yellow color, and you talked about being a businessman before, and maybe people don't know, but there is a little bit of yellow in the logo of the company that you are uh, the president of. So this is Trans Service Integrated Solutions. Can you tell us a little bit? I guess we'll take baseball out of things for a second unless there's a direct tie, but take us all the way back to how you got yourself into and involved with Trans Service Integrated Solutions and now get to call yourself president of such company. Yeah, so basically I, I worked in the logistics and supply chain industry for a number of years. Um, and then about 10 years ago, I went back to school, did a full-time MBA. And while I was there, um, I started programming and, and I, I grew up programming, but I started building out a enterprise software, um, uh, that companies could use to manage their transportation, um, ended up, um, receiving a, a private equity investment to, to basically bring our software in house, um, and uh, that private equity company, they own a large transportation company. So really, we were going to become a sister company uh, of them. And, and that company is called TransService. So we're TransService Integrated Solutions. Um, so I don't want to get like too down, <laughs> too down the weeds and, and granular about logistics and supply chain. But, 
Yeah, so I was the original, you know, founder of my software company, which was called Logistvise, and then we ended up receiving an investment and, you know, rebranded to Trans Service Integrated Solutions. Me and my wife moved down to Los Angeles, which is where my company is based today. But, um, yeah, I've spent, uh, you know, a good amount of my my career, um, you know, building out that company. And, you know, we're in, we're in six different countries now. And, um in 2021, we were on the Inc. 5000 list as one of the fastest growing companies in America. So, um, yeah, it was a company that I literally, you know, started started from scratch uh, to where we are today. And I, you know, still serve as uh, as, as president. And uh, luckily, the IBL is primarily only on weekends, uh, so it doesn't cut too much into my day to day at all. Well, it only turns you into a seven day a week working machine, if anything. Um, and you talked about kind of starting that company from the ground up and similar to what you've done now with the Cardinals and a rebrand and kind of giving them a shake up from the ground up. You mentioned in a previous interview, if I'm not mistaken, that you were willing to do basically whatever it took to get Hamilton's name on the map. This might be a redundant question, but just what lengths are you willing to go to get Hamilton's name on the map beyond just the IBL. Yeah, I think um <clears throat> yeah, I think that I think you're referring to the spectator article I did with Scott Radley. I am. Um yeah, so the really my premise is like whenever I get involved with anything is like I want to I want to learn like every aspect of it in order, you know, to hire other people to to run it or um you know, manage it. So I have entrenched myself into the Cardinals and have tried to learn every aspect of it. Um, and really, it is kind of multiple business units because, like, we have our we have our concession stands. Um, you know, we have our our merchandise, which is drop shipped, and then of course we have uh, you know merch that's sold locally as well. So we have to you know manage the inventory for that and and source it with different vendors. You um, also have the ticketing side with Ticketmaster and and uh our ticket platforms and corporate sponsorship like there's so many different moving parts that you have to kind of i I feel like you have to learn it all like every aspect um so to what lengths that i would go to i've actually i actually did get my smart serve um so i could actually pour beer at the concession stands if i need to um so yeah maybe that gives you an example but yeah, I'll just go to, you know, whatever length that it takes in order to get us to where we need to be as an organization. That's definitely not something you hear. I can almost guarantee you that there is very few, that there are very few in in an ownership and a management role and, and all of those, I guess, those higher-ups um, in the major leagues anyway that uh, would be willing to go to those lengths. And, you know, I, I, I think of almost that show Undercover Boss you can kind of weasel your way into and, and sneak into any any spot in the ballpark now and kind of give a full overlay and, and oversee every single thing that's happening. And I think that then translates into the product that you guys have been able to now put out on the field and and slowly building the success in Hamilton. What can fans expect from a night out at the ballpark um, if I'm if I'm wanting to come to a Cardinals game, what can I expect? Yeah, we feel you know a big thing, and I've said this in other interviews before is is we really want 
the fan expectation to be met. Like when they go to a sporting event, there is a certain expectation of how the whole presentation looks from the concession stand to the box office, to the merch stand, to the in-game experience, um, to, to the way the stadium or the facilities look. Um, so that was big. That was like top priority for me. That's why you see all the advertisements, you know, on the chain link fence in the outfield to give the illusion that it's a wall. Um, but we're trying to really create like a minor league baseball experience that you would see, you know, down in the U.S. or, um, you know, a similar experience that you would see in Welland. Um, really just a, you know, true baseball entertainment experience um, that you're not going to find unless you go to, you know, Toronto, Buffalo or, or Welland. So that's, that's really what we're trying to do is create a family, family experience, um, you know, that, uh, you know, anybody can go and have a great time. And, and um, we've got a great team around me that's uh, not, not just on the baseball side, but, you know, behind the scenes, like Joey Ransom, who's our game day operations manager, he's put together all the engaging um fan activations throughout the game. Uh, Emily Thompson, who's our in-game host, does a, such a great job engaging with the fans and getting to know them all. Um, so I've been fortunate that we've been able to, you know, build out a team that uh, is going to do well on the field, but also off the field. Well, you mentioned the word entertainment, and Chris will I maybe be able to attest to this. It definitely sounds like you've done a few interviews before because you're really good at at having the interviewee, you know, lead into the next question so easily. With the word entertainment, you recently hosted a, uh, I guess, a pro wrestling night, a WWE style night. What is, what is, uh, how, how did that come to be? As someone who is a, you know, I'm I'm a pro wrestling nut. I'm a WWE fan. I love it. How did that theme night come to be? And how invested and involved were the players in all of this? Yeah, I, I, I grew up a wrestling fan as well. So, um, I mean, we're, I'm trying to get – when I looked at the schedule, we've got 21 home games, which is a lot, you know, certainly a lot more than, you know, the Tiger Cats or even the Honey Bat, you know, the other summer sports teams. Um, so we really want to kind of make it feel like every game is an event. Um, so I started looking at different local organizations and uh, Hamilton Pro Wrestling, um, which is run by uh, Rip Impact is his uh, ring name. Um, and Rip is, he's, he's fantastic. He's kind of like us, right? He's promoting local. Um, and I felt like, you know, I felt like showcasing them and uh, his wrestling school that he runs in Hamilton. I just thought it would be great. And um, unfortunately, the, the weather wasn't the best. Um, so our attendance wasn't that great and we kept saying oh we wish this was on a perfect clear night because uh, everybody else would be able to, to enjoy it but those guys were fantastic to work with they um, we basically kind of gave them like three segments throughout the throughout the game in the top half of the inning and they kind of put together their own uh, their own dialogue and their own actions between the wrestlers and um, our players um, you know we told them that they were going to be that these guys were going to kind of be wrestling on their side of the dugout and we try to keep them away from the visiting London. Um, but they seem to enjoy it. I even had a couple of London players uh, come up to us while it was occurring and say like, this is the best thing they've ever seen at a baseball game. Um, and uh, yeah, it was, it was pretty entertaining for sure. They'll definitely be back. So 
I guess a two-part question now based off of all of that. One, I have to ask, you say you were a pro wrestling fan, who is on your Mount Rushmore of, of wrestling? Oh, that's a good question. But what I guess I'll ask, like, in terms of what era, because uh, certainly there's a lot of different eras. I grew up in the 90s, right? So, See, I'm I'm... I'm always open to, to you know, if you want to use different eras, by all means, but it almost makes it harder when you when you want to bring all eras into it because I think, of course, as you know, so many wrestlers change every, um, you know, every era, and there are so many great superstars in every era. So I guess I'll leave that decision up to you. If you want to stick 90s, who's your who's your 90s Mount Rushmore of wrestling? Yeah, I think. I think being uh you know being Canadian you have to say Bret Hart, you know, who's a, a Canadian hero. Um, you know, Hulk Hogan in the tail end of the nineties with the heel turn with the NWO would definitely be on the you know, on the Mount Rushmore. Uh Stone Cold Steve Austin, uh Bill Goldberg. So now we're crossing into uh you know WCW and WWE era. Um I don't know who the fifth would be. I guess you could put in uh Probably Shawn Michaels, even though, you know, I let in with the Bret Hart. So you can obviously see where my, my bias is with that one. Oh, I love it. I love it. Um, and the second part, you say that, you know, it, you, you were intrigued by somebody local who you were able to partner with to, I guess, promote two incredible things happening in Hamilton, both with the baseball and with the wrestling. How important is it to continue to utilize these partnerships in order to continue to grow the game in Hamilton. Yeah, we're, we're an open book and and we'll partner with anybody. It's, um, you know, we've been fortunate that a lot of people have kind of also bought into the, bought into the vision. I think that I keep saying, like, I'm almost looking forward to next year because it's going to be a little bit easier to form form some partnerships um, because now we have a, a track record to go on and, and some marketing material that we can uh, display to them. But, you know, previously leading into this season, um, a lot of people are taking a leap of faith, you know, including the pro wrestling guys um, that we partnered with, right? Because they didn't know. And I think I, I think I initially emailed them maybe back in December. So we were kind of putting on the calendar well in advance, you know, before we even had a mascot or, or an in-game host hired at that point. So, um, yeah, no, it's been great to just partner with everybody, uh, you know, locally. We have so many great partners and, you know, in- incorporate ourselves into the community a little bit more. We're, uh, we're fortunate that Hamilton has half a million people. Um, there's plenty of different associations and charities um, that we can work with, so it's awesome. Right on. Yeah, so kind of you mentioned that um... – uh, it's going to be easier going forward with sponsorships, and I'm sure everything is going to be easier uh, now that, you know, you have a year under your belt. You know, like you said, you came in and you didn't really know a whole ton about everything, but you've you've learned a lot. Um, what's been the biggest challenge uh, for you personally? I guess obviously off the field, but, uh, yeah, what, what's been the biggest challenge since you've taken over the uh, the Cardinals? Yeah, there's been – there's been a couple different challenges. I think one thing I, I definitely underestimated was our ability to, um, you know, I think we've, we've done an okay job of separating each game and having its own unique identity. 
Um, but I'm really starting to see the importance of that. Um, so I think we're going to double down on that even further next year um, and really make each individual game, you know, feel really different, you know, off the field. So that's been a big challenge. Um, it will be, you know, just remaining creative and innovative and, and, and having, um, you know, unique, unique game ideas. And then I guess the other thing is just a lot of it's building up the infrastructure has probably been, been the most challenging. You know, the Cardinals have traditionally been run as a not-for-profit entity. We are a for-profit now. Um, so we've implemented, like, literally everything from scratch because of that. So, like, a whole new email system, like an actual phone number that, you know, people can call in and ask questions or purchase tickets. Um, setting up a new point of sale system uh, within the concessions and the box office and the merch. So just really just, you know, building up the infrastructure has probably been the most challenging thing. And um, I, I do think we're actually fortunate with our stadium, um, especially compared to some of the other teams in the league. I think we're, we're in a great situation uh, with our stadium. I know sometimes I hear from fans or, or people that have been associated with the Cardinals for a long time about some of the challenges with the stadium, but it actually hasn't really been, been the case. It's been, a, you know, we've got great bones there to, to build on. So yeah, a lot of it's just been, you know, building up that infrastructure as, as the largest challenge. Switching gears a little bit, we're going to talk about uh, a few individuals that uh, I know you mentioned a few like, uh, like Emily Thompson and, uh, the broadcast guys and, and things like that that you've brought in to, to help with the whole thing. One of your first moves, uh, if I remember correctly, was bringing back uh, field manager Dean Castelli, who uh, was let go obviously halfway through last year. Uh, it, was, it was obviously a whole thing. Um, but you made it a point that you wanted to make sure that he comes back. Uh, why did you feel it was so important to bring Dean back as as the head of the on-field product. Yeah, well, I think I think if we didn't make a move on Dean, like somebody else in the league would have scooped him up, right? Like he's been around for for a while in the league, and he's a two-time manager of the year. You know, he's an IBL rookie of the year in '93. Um, the guy knows the league inside and out. And he's a, he's a talented guy, you know, through and through. And he actually did reach out to me after I took over, um, which I appreciated. Um, because, you know, I was very much new to the league and, you know, really had to catch up on, catch up on the history. Um, but yeah, I, when I met Dean for lunch, I just thought he was, I thought he was awesome. You know, like he, uh, he was just great. Um, I really enjoyed his company and, um, you know, I ended up bringing him on, you know, before a general manager, but I felt like it was, I felt like, um, it was, a, it was good to bring Dean back and, um, you know, just start fresh with him and, um, you know, I don't think that's uncommon in baseball, right? You talk about John Gibbons, you know, managers that have come and go, you know, Cito Gaston as well. Um, so, yeah, you know, I, I think it, it was great to have uh, Dean back. He's definitely a Cardinal, and I, I couldn't imagine him, you know, managing another team in the IBL. For sure. And you're killing it with the segues, by the way, because you, you, you've helped segue me through basically every question, and this one's no different. Uh, you mentioned that you hired Dean before you even hired a general manager. Um, and that general manager that you hired was George Helene. Uh, how did that relationship come about um, with uh, with George? 
Yeah, well, I think, you know, I again, I came into the league, like, very much kind of observing how things were done. Um, I had a sense that there was a lot of, like, candidates, I don't know what they like, a lot of candidates that were, like, really connected to the IDL um, and that had kind of, you know, been with different teams. And I was kind of looking for, you know, somebody that was, you know, fresh, kind of, like, new to the IBL. Um, the IBL always kind of seems to me like it was, well, it was like the secret, like you had to know somebody to get in. You know, like that was the sense I had maybe from a player or a managerial uh, relationship. Like it was kind of, you know, kind of like a word of mouth type of league, um, which kind of struck me as a little bit odd. I thought, I thought there, I felt like there was a lot of players out there that could be playing in the IBL um, that just weren't. You know, I, you start thinking about all the, you know, Canadians that go down to the States, play in the NCAA, and then afterwards, and if, if baseball does not work out for them from a from an affiliate ball perspective, and, you know, they come back to Canada, and, um, you know, like, I was just confused, like, you know, what happens to their baseball career? Like, do they just play a beer league, or do they just, you know, retire? I was like, there's got to be somebody out there that kind of knows, you know, all these players that are you know in the in a younger demographic that had just finished college but could still play and um the more i kind of looked into it i was like i I, one of my prerequisites was going to be i want to find somebody who's full-time in baseball um somebody that that's all they do nine to five is eat sleep breathe baseball and like i'm i'm always passionate about whatever i do and i i felt like this is very much a passion business everybody's going to put more into it than they're ever going to get out of it um, so I started looking at PBR and I was like, okay, well, this is, you know, the kind of the largest scouting service for, you know, for high school aged baseball athletes in Canada. And then I saw that George was the director, uh, and director of Canada for PBR. And he happened to be, you know, based out of, uh, based out of Grimsby, which is just a stone's throw from us. So I, I reached out to him cold over LinkedIn, you know, introduced myself and we ended up, um, you know, as soon as I sent that message, he was very responsive, um, and we ended up meeting up. And I knew right away that George's passion and his knowledge, and and he was he was just the right fit. Um, I felt like he was going to kind of shake up the league a little bit, um, and uh, I think he has. I, I really do. You take a look at his first signing was Clayton Keys, who has emerged as one of the top players in the league already, and we're you know just a, probably a quarter of the way through, right? So, um, you know, other guys like Danny Berg as well. And um, I remember meeting Danny Berg for the first time in the off season. I had, I was just curious. I said, Danny, like you lived in Toronto uh, last year. I was like, did you not know about the IDL? And, um, you know, he, it wasn't necessarily on his radar. Um, so he had taken the year off and I, I was just, I was struck by that. I was like, there's gotta be a lot of players out there that kind of kind of are in that same way that just may not be aware of the IBL as a, as a realistic opportunity for them. And, and I feel very much that's what George has brought to us. You mentioned a few of the, a few of the guys on the field, uh, Danny Burke being one. And one of the things that strikes me about, um, about your roster is, um, it, see, it, it seems intentional, and I'm sure it probably is, um, but you have only – there are only five players on your entire roster listed 
um, on your website that are over the age of 25. So you guys have a very young roster. Is now without getting you know too far ahead of ourselves, is that something that you guys were uh, super intentional about wanting to have a young team? And is this a group that you're looking to build with, or are you just are you guys thinking that long term, you know, the best plan is just to stay stay young? Yeah, yeah. I don't really want to speak for George because um, honestly, that's not even a, a thought I've ever had. Um, George has full autonomy, you know, to construct the roster. Um, I think he's, I think kind of speaks to George's experiences that he's going out there and, um, you know, finding players that he feels that will be a fit, you know, for the organization for a number of years. Um, so yeah, I think that like, that's my interpretation of it, but you probably want to get George on here as well at some point. Um, he'd really be able to kind of describe the, the roster construction. Um, yeah, I, uh, I always joke with George, like, I'm just, I think what I, I've told a lot of people when I took over, I was like, I, I, I can't tell you who's going to hit curveball. Um, I enjoy watching, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, it's definitely out of my realm. Yeah, we'll, uh, we'll definitely have to get George on here at some point. Um, but yeah, as, as in, uh, someone who isn't necessarily entrenched as deeply in the technical aspect of the baseball team, um, but obviously, you know, you, you're at most of the games, especially the home games. And, you know, you've got an exciting squad, right? Like, they are they play hard. They're gritty. They're in every game. Uh, they're a fun team to watch. And uh, from that standpoint, I guess, what has impressed you the most? Um, or what have you been most pleased with, I guess, uh, from the team on the field? Yeah, I think I think just knowing, like, whenever we go to the ballpark, like, I feel like the guys, you know, expect to win and, you know, feel like we can win. Um, I think the attitude and the upbeat nature, like, I think we pride ourselves on that. I think they, you know, they certainly see me around around the field and and uh, and they know and see how passionate, you know, George and I and Larry, too. Like, kind of all, you know, all three of us are there watching the games all the time. Um so I think they see how vested we are and that, you know, kind of invest the team even further. You mentioned, uh, you mentioned to me in a previous conversation, um, and I, I don't think I'm spoiling any secrets by saying this, but you had told me um, that you aren't going to stop until you see two to 3,000 people a night um, filling Bernie Arbor. And, you know, obviously that's probably a ways away. Um, but you can even see just in one season, uh, the overturn, you know, you guys, you know, Hamilton's always averaged like 200 people a game, maybe. And this year you guys, I know the home opener, you drew over 700 and that didn't even count the kids. Um, and I'm sure you guys have had close to a thousand on certain nights. What makes you so confident, um, in, in being able to say that, uh, you see this, this product eventually drawing two to 3000 people a night. Yeah, there's, yeah, like that's, that's my goal. Like, like everybody, like I appreciate all, everyone's been very kind about what we've been able to do so far, but I really mean it that we want to fill that place with, you know, 2,000, 3,000 people. The stadium can't accommodate 3,000. I look at it, you know, there's 14,000 season ticket holders of of the Tiger Gats in Hamilton. 
14,000 in a stadium of 24,000. Um, you know, certainly they have less games than us, but it shows you that, you know, there is a very strong, passionate sports market here. Um, going back and looking at old newspaper clippings of the Hamilton Redbirds, and I understand that, yes, that was affiliate ball, um, but maybe their marketing budget was probably, you know, a lot greater than what the IBL Cardinals were, but they were getting and drawing on some nights 3,100 standing room only, which, you know, is in the spectator as, as some of the record crowds that they had out. So I feel like our market is large enough for it. Um, we've had certain groups that have, you know, booked hundreds of people to come to our games. Um, so I do feel like, you know, we're, like I said before, like we're fortunate. We're in a really big market, um, you know, with half a million people that I think it's, it's just going to, it's going to take time as everything does. Um, but I think eventually it will snowball and, you know, we'll be able to build the brand up and, and yeah, I'm a competitive guy by nature. And I just, I look at us that I want us to be the hottest ticket in, in Hamilton during the summer. Um, so that just doesn't mean just competing with the IBL. It means competing, you know, with the other, with the other uh, sporting events in the city, but the other summer events that are going on, like I really want us to be a destination and that's the goal uh, for us to create. I got one more question for you and then I'll, I'll hand it over to Andrew. Um, I asked you earlier what's been the biggest challenge um, from this year. And I know you said that, uh, that everyone's been, been very kind to you about what you guys have been able to do. And honest, honestly, I, I know it probably doesn't, doesn't hit you as, as hard because, you know, you just recently got involved with the team, but as someone who had been in Hamilton um, from 2016 to 2022, what you've been able to do so far is remarkable. Um, and nobody's really done it with the IBL version of, of the Hamilton baseball team. Uh, obviously, this being the Cardinals, previously the Thunderbirds. Um, and, like, what you've been able to do is is pretty remarkable. Uh, have you had a chance to uh, – I, I know you've been full speed ahead for the last roughly 12 months on this on this whole project. Have you had a chance to reflect at all? And if so, what – what's been the most rewarding aspect of, um, of being a part of this? Yeah, I think, you know, just starting to see, you know, things come together has been very rewarding. Um, you know, you know, obviously the team has had some success early on, on the field. So that's been rewarding, but, you know, seeing more fans in the stands and having a lot of, a lot of people reach out to, to myself or through our website to say like, um, you know, share the positive experience they had at our games or say that they've never been to a Cardinals game until this year. Um, I think that's pretty cool because the team's been around for 65 years. And I've been, you know, we, we share that with people, but they haven't, you know, a lot of people haven't been to a game before. So I think that's the most rewarding that I've been able to reflect on is like, okay, we are, we are crossing over now into kind of a new, into a new audience, you know, that hasn't, uh, that hasn't, been out to an IBL Cardinals game. So I think that's probably been the, the coolest thing is creating that, that new fan. So Eric, you are 34, relatively young as an owner and, and in, in an upper management type role. As we have heard, and I know the conversations are going to start to pick up later in the summer, but the Toronto Maple Leafs 
are looking for a new owner. What can you say to any potential listeners who, again, maybe are on the the younger side of things or on the older side of things, who might be looking at taking ownership of an IBL team? What sort of advice or what sort of message would you want to pass on to a potential owner? Yeah, I think I mean I think the biggest thing is like obviously starts at the top, right? Like you know, like personally I pride myself on I kind of say like taking a blue collar approach to the to the white collar uh, corporate world um and being able to kind of roll up your sleeves and go out and sell corporate sponsorships, go out and and cold call and um you know, send the cold emails and try to form those partnerships. Like I think that is going to that's going to make a difference because obviously the corporate sponsorship um, is a revenue generator for any club in, in the league. And I think you've seen that with past owners, you know, Paul LaCoyne, you know, obviously Jack in Toronto, um, like it starts at the top. I think definitely it's, uh, it's, it's feasible. I think Toronto is obviously a little bit more of a challenging situation given the park. Um, I think at some point for that, you know, to be sustainable, you need, you need an owner, you know, that maybe already has, um, you know, some other corporate entity that that the Maple Leafs would complement. Um, or you may have an owner that says, hey, you know, we can only play out of Christie Pitts, you know, once a month or, you know, only a handful of times per season um, just because it's not sustainable uh, to be there. So I think, <clears throat> I think definitely, and I uh, honestly, Connie, uh, Connie uh, Pomerleau, the, one of the Brantford owners said it in the CHCH news article or uh, the CHCH news broadcast that I saw last summer was she said there's only eight IBL teams. Of course, we're going to ninth next year, but she said it's very unique, right? There's only eight of them. And that's really the true value. This is a hundred plus year old league, Canada's top baseball league. Um, I feel like it's a it's a super unique opportunity. Um, but it's gonna start with somebody that's gonna be up, you know, up for the challenge obviously. Um, you know, especially with the park. You know, as I mentioned before, we're fortunate in Hamilton that we are able to charge um, you know, entry. But uh, you know, Christie Pitts is, is unique as you guys are well aware of. Well, my last question for you, and then we'll finally cut you loose. What is next up on Eric Spearin's priority list for the Hamilton Cardinals? Yeah, I think. Well, I think you know, finish out our finish out our season and really tighten up the infrastructure that we've implemented. Um, really kind of set up some standard operating procedures. I know it's kind of like all boring, like corporate stuff, but um, I'm starting to kind of like see the formula for success, which is exciting. Um, so I'm looking forward to kind of like putting that together, tightening it up, training some of our volunteers, some of our interns and some of our staff uh, to kind of take some of that stuff off my plate as well. But, you know, really just kind of tightening things up so we can, you know, scale out even further and, you know, double down the marketing, get more people uh, into the stadium. And I think hopefully, hopefully, you know, others are going to start to see at the end of this season and also players will start to see in the league that we're, uh, you know, we're a true destination uh, to come play. 
Eric Spearin, thank you so much for your time. We really appreciate it. This was awesome. Uh, thanks for taking a couple minutes to uh, to uh, to talk to us tonight. And yeah, like I like I had mentioned earlier, what you're what you're doing in Hamilton, uh, you know, not to not to continue to pump your tires, but it's it is truly awesome. And I'm personally as someone who who holds Hamilton um, in my heart as I played there for six years. Um, it's uh, it's really awesome to see that it's it looks like it's starting to realize its uh, its potential as a as a destination. And um, obviously, you know, I'm, as you mentioned, job's not done, and you're not going to stop. And that's uh, it, I, I can't wait personally to see where things go from here. So, thank you for uh, for joining us again, and uh, and definitely look forward to seeing you around the ballpark. Thanks, guys.